22 days down, 343 left to go. Though this year may not be so bad if we give it a little room to breathe, and the days are getting longer every day. Specifically, today is January 22nd, 2021, and this edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast is written accordingly. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's edition of the program, Albemarle supervisors get an update on assessments and economic indicators. The Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority holds its first work session of the year, more details on SmartScale, and the Virginia Department of Transportation briefs officials on a program to create more habitat for monarch butterfly. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Local Energy Alliance Program, your local energy nonprofit, wants to help you lower your energy bills, make your home more comfortable, and save energy. Schedule your home energy checkup to get started. Now only $45 for City of Charlottesville and Albemarle County residents. You'll receive energy-saving products and expert advice customized to your needs. Sign up today. There's a link in the newsletter. The shape of Albemarle County's budget for fiscal year 2022 became a little more clear with the announcement that property values are up 1.4% in the county for 2021, according to Assessor Peter Lynch. Out of all of the properties in the county, we review 20% each year. So we try to cover five uh, over a five-year period uh, all of the properties to make sure our data is up to date. Part of the work done in the assessor's office is to also validate properties that qualify for tax breaks due to agricultural use. Some properties convert to different uses, and when they do, the owners have to pay what would have been charged under the new use in what is known as a rollback tax. This year, the assessor's office was more productive in this area than in usual times. We worked 135 rollbacks for more than $975,000 in rollback in tax dollars. In an average year, we would do 38 rollbacks. So this is a huge improvement over that. The pandemic did affect the overall assessment numbers for 2021. Um, The properties that were affected the most by the economic impacts of the COVID situation that we're going through um, were hotels and shopping centers, and it's reflected in their values. These are average changes, and, uh, and those properties were in excess of 20% decreases on average for that property class. Lynch said hotels in Albemarle usually have an occupancy rate of 60 to 70 percent, but that number has been in the 20 to 30 percent range for much of the pandemic. He said office properties were also affected, but not to the same extent. For more details on assessment, including a further breakdown in the numbers, go read Allison Rabel's story in The Daily Progress. After the assessment discussion, supervisors got an update on the county's financial outlook. Steve Allshouse is with the county's Department of Community Development. Economic forecasting in this era is very difficult, um, mainly because last time we had a pandemic in the United States was in 1918, and at that time, economic data was not being kept very carefully or was non-existent. So economists today are being challenged by doing forecasting uh, without really having a good historical context to look at. However, the forecast for fiscal year 22 is built off of recent data, such as those assessment numbers we just heard about. Allshouse predicted a bumpy road ahead. The reason I say bumpy is that you'll see lots of good news mixed in with lots of bad news. And that's typical when we're looking at recoveries. Um, So 
please expect that if you hear something negative in the media about the economy locally, um, you're also very likely to hear things that are positive. Overall, the unemployment rate in Albemarle was 3.6% in November of 2019. In April of 2020, that number had jumped to 9%. In Albemarle, in the past year, there has been a 44% decline in the number of people employed in the food service and hospitality industry, or about 1,950 jobs lost. The arts, entertainment, and recreation industry lost 962 jobs, and retail lost 712 jobs. Some sectors actually gained position over the period. Uh, Between the two periods, spring of 2019 and uh, spring of 2020, what we saw in construction was an increase of about 4%, or 98 jobs. And also in the finance and insurance sector, we saw a very modest increase of 1.2% for a total of 12 jobs. Allshouse estimated that about 40% of the jobs initially lost have returned as the shutdown lifted, and he projects that at least 60% will come back by the end of this calendar year. That's not a full recovery um, by the end of the first half of the next fiscal year, but I do believe that we'll see um, eventually the total jobs numbers come back to where they were pre-pandemic, but that's going to take a while. This is going to be a very slow process in my estimation. If the pandemic recedes, the tourism industry is one area that could come back quickly. However, adaptations to social distancing may have long-term effects on business travel. My concern is that some of what um, takes place in the hotel and motel industry reflects activity that's dependent on business travel. And I think that that's going to take longer time to come back, uh, mainly because I think that um, you know businesses have gotten used to doing, uh, doing remote meetings. County Executive Jeff Richardson will present a budget to the Board of Supervisors later this year, toward the end of February. It will be the first budget prepared under Nelsie Birch, who became Albemarle's chief financial officer last year. We're taking that information that Mr. Lynch, the county assessor, has provided and and Mr. Allshouse, and, and, and building that into our framework for what you all are going to be undertaking over the next few months. This being budget season, the Board of Commissioners for the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority are also getting ready for the next fiscal year. Their budget is being prepared with assistance from consultant Haley Fetro of HSF Consulting. Fetro briefed the CRHA board at a work session on Wednesday. The goal of today is to provide you with an overview of the budgeting process. And this year, interestingly, we have some new revenue lines um, that we're getting additional levels of funding that we can talk a little bit about. In addition to being a consultant, Fetro is the director of a public housing authority in Medway, Massachusetts. Her firm specializes in helping financially troubled housing authorities. Um, We usually come in, help them reorganize, restructure, and really put best practices in place. And the goal for us is to provide a sustainable model for housing authorities going forward. I think at Charlottesville, we've had a varying opportunity um, to kind of help out in the finance department. And it's been exciting to have new staff come on in the last year with Mr. Sales. Mr. Sales is John Sales, who became the new executive director at CRHA last August. He had previously served as Charlottesville's housing coordinator. One outcome of better record keeping has been the receipt of federal CARES funding to help tenants catch up rent due to lost wages, among other things. One new line item in the budget will be a column that lists revenue from Charlottesville and other sources for redevelopment efforts. 
Apologies for the audio here, as someone was not muted when Fetra was speaking. So that we can start to put these things down in writing and, and be clear about where we anticipate seeing support from the city or other sources and how we anticipate spending them. Commissioners were taken through a full look at the details in the budget and the new systems that are being put in place to better manage the accounts. That is one way the agency might one day move on from its troubled status with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Charlottesville is really going to evolve in the next year or two with respect to budgeting and operations and how you manage this. A next step is to present the budget information to the public in community meetings. The draft budget should be available for review next week. Here's John Sales. We have our first meeting is going to be on February the 10th. Okay. Um, one's at 4 and one's at 6 p.m., 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. Um, and then we have the board work session, which will be on the CFP budget on February the 11th at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping for a board approval on March the 9th. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement for January 22nd, 2021. Special thanks to the Valley Road Research Center for their valuable work in the community. Now back to the program. The Smart Scale funding process has recommended 9 out of 10 transportations in Albemarle County that were submitted in this latest round. The Commonwealth Transportation Board will consider the projects this spring and will take a final vote in June. Albemarle Transportation Planner Kevin McDermott sent an email to the Board of Supervisors. The total amount of smart scale funds that would come to Albemarle from this project is just over $60 million. Smart scale is a process where projects are submitted by localities and planning districts, and then they are ranked according to how they provide a series of desired outcomes. VDOT staff matches higher-ranked projects with funding sources. However, funding for the projects will not come for a few years, allowing time for the projects to be designed. The projects are not just a benefit for private vehicular transportation, but also represent a park-and-ride lot with potential to be served by regional transit, two projects that are solely bicycle and pedestrian improvements, and the inclusion of a bicycle and pedestrian element within every project recommended for funding. Another high-scoring project is $50 million to increase passenger rail along the Interstate and U.S. 29 corridors. Take a look at the newsletter to see the full list of what was funded and what wasn't. The Virginia Department of Transportation is participating in a program that seeks to help provide a safer journey for winged creatures that majestically migrate across the Commonwealth. Angel Deem is the director of VDOT's Environmental Division, and she spoke before the Commonwealth Transportation Board on January 19th. So I'm happy to present to the board today an overview of what's termed the Monarch Butterfly Candidate Conservation Agreement with Assurances. That's a long title. It's shortened up to CCAA. CCAA is a program of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that works with other government agencies to conserve land for at-risk species, such as the monarch butterfly. Deem said the goal is to conserve millions of acres of land across the nation that are currently being used by state highway agencies and land used to produce energy. Another specific goal in this situation is to plant milkweed on 2.3 million acres. Last December, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service updated the endangered species list, and the monarch was listed as warranted but precluded, Deem explains. 
And what they mean by precluded is that there are other higher priority listings ahead of this one. And so they're essentially gonna put it on hold, if you will, and continue to monitor um, its progress. Progress would be made if existing habitats aren't threatened to be converted to some other use. The use of some pesticides, as well as the mowing of grass in state right-of-way or other threats. Um, and those things are impacting the available foraging and breeding habitat for the monarch. Under the CCAA, VDOT would agree to taking several conservation measures. We would do some specific seeding and planting and brush removal to encourage um, suitable habitat for the monarch. We would also um, participate in what's called conservation mowing, allowing um, food sources to be able to develop um, for the monarch as well as breeding sites. VDOT entered into the agreement last November, and the goal in the first year will be to apply the measures to 1,567 acres. Deem said VDOT has already achieved that goal and is now making progress towards the five-year goal of doubling that amount. For more information on the program, there's a link in the newsletter that should take you right to the presentation on YouTube. You can also take a look at the slides. And that's it for this edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast. Thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed this program and you'd like to continue listening to it into the future, this is a business venture of Town Crier Productions, and there are many ways you can support the business. One is to convert your Substack subscription to a paid one. There will be further information uh, coming out through that channel in the near future. There's also the ability to pay me through Patreon for all sorts of government research that I do, or you can just send me a check. I am trying to figure out ways to make sure that I can match your contribution with various things that we can say in the newsletter and in the newscast, uh, all in the hopes of truly engaging the community as best we can with as much information as I can get to you and you can provide to me and all that. We'll be back tomorrow with another installment that will take a look at vaccine rollout in Virginia and the Blue Ridge Health District. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, as I just said. Stay safe out there. 